0: she shatters and she burns fans this is hannah austin your host for the she burns podcast i'm excited to announce that my first book hello head meet heart is now out on amazon for more tips tricks and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out visit me on amazon at hello head meet heart happy reading Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is season three of the Sheburns podcast. This season's theme is Women Game Changers. In this episode, I'm talking with Iceland Hamilton Austin. Iceland is a family nurse practitioner who specializes in pediatric and adolescent medicine. She is affectionately known as Mimi by her twin grandkids, who were the inspiration for her Mimi and Me book series. To date, Iceland has self-published three books. Her latest book, Different Than Me, is a book that celebrates and embraces the love of multicultural families and their traditions and cultures. Iceland is a 16-year breast cancer thriver-survivor, so she knows all too well firsthand the journey of striving to survive. She is the founder and CEO of Duckling to Diva, a young woman's empowerment organization. She has in the past organized mother-daughter retreats and breast cancer fundraisers. Welcome, Iceland. I'm so excited that you're here with me today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Why don't you start by telling me and our listeners a little bit about your story?
1: So my story actually started when I was in high school. I went to school to be a um, practical nurse. I got that, which was different for kids in my time because most kids didn't care about studying in school and All that jazz, as they would say. Progressing forward, I became an RN, then a nurse practitioner. Um, You know, I thought life was great. I'm having fun. We're doing this thing. You know, you get to be 20. You have kids because that's what everybody thinks you should do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just progress upon what society thinks your life should be like. Um, That came to a halt in 2006 when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, which put a different perspective on life. And I've just gone through, I call it the every 10-year motivational milestone because every 10 years, women look at their lives and go, what the heck am I doing? That's and you do something different. So breast cancer was the catalyst for me for that. And I moved to South Carolina six years ago and I turned 60 last year. So I'm looking at my life going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> okay. And then I decided to become a children's book author. So trying to balance all that stuff with grown kids and grandkids and working a full-time job. Um, and now I'm just kind of looking at my life, sort of like looking out at the ocean, like the waves are going, but where are we riding? Mm, at this I love point?
0: that. Yeah. Tell me what made you get into writing children's books. I see some of them behind you. So,
1: Yeah. I actually call it take letting my passion, my purpose take me to my passion. Mm. So I've always liked doing maternal child, which is most of what my career has been. And I just decided one day I was going to write a children's book. I wrote a book about the questions parents always ask. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. So when they come in from birth to five, I did that book. I never published the book. And then I just one day couldn't sleep and decided to write this Mimi and Me series because that's what my grandkids called me Me, Mimi. It was actually a goal of mine to do something I've never done. So I challenged myself, but I have a friend who's a publisher and we did the first book together and then I did the other two by myself. So. How did you
0: get started doing that? So it's one thing to like have something that keeps you up in the night and it's like, I want to write a book and you're inspired by your grandkids or the work that you're doing. But how did you go and actually take the first step? Like, what did you do?
1: I, what my friend Stephanie is like my biggest cheerleader. I don't care what I do. Stephanie always thinks it's the best shit ever. She <laughs> always, she. I have heard another friend that's like I'm down for the BS, but she always. So I, t- she's a publisher, and I was like, Steph, I want to publish this book, but I don't know how to do this. And so she's like, Oh, I help you do it, and she helped me self-publish it. And so it was a fun ride, and we just we did it. And then the next two, I'm like, I'm gonna do it by myself, but she's like, I'm a phone call away, and I actually did it. So. You know, the publishing journey, it's it's a lot, but I actually, she helped me every step of the way. She held my hand the first time and then the other two times I was like, I'm going for it.
0: That's so exciting. Tell me what it's like. So you write it, you're hanging out with your friend. She's like, you're amazing. Let's do this together. Let's ride. You get it done and you see the final product. What is that moment like for you?
1: Girl, it was like the best (laughs) orgasm ever. Okay. to the jam without a man without a man well you don't need a man if you got a book geez got that right so because it's one thing like for you to write that but you know the steps you go along you have to find an illustrator and then an editor and a formatter and all that to go with it When I actually saw my first book in print I was like oh my it was it's like a feeling. It's mm. almost like if you have kids, you like you see a baby for the first time. Like, oh my god, I created this baby. Wow. It's similar to that because it's like you're giving birth to something that really was a part of you, and you put so much energy in the process into it. And still now, like when I see them and I go places, and people actually like my book and buy it. It's always that feeling all over again, like when they're like, I love this book and bookstores who like, Oh my God, we want to put this in a store. It's amazing.
0: Wow. So
1: my dream is I I I want to be sitting on the Today Show next to Holder with that book one day going, look.
0: Yeah, so, we talked about this before. We're going to get her on the Today Show. I'm actually going to send this recording. Oh, Maybe we should I, like have like a campaign, like Iceland on the Today Show. Or wait, hold up,
1: I like, I want to be on, I want to sit on that show with Holder. Yeah. that I'm going to be like, i ever do anything else ever in life and I can sit with her with that book. Case closed. <laughs> okay.
0: Tell me about your inner critic. Do you have a name for your inner critic? Or are you just like, shut up, bitch? I mean, what do you, what do you say?
1: Shut up, bitch.
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. My inner critic is always like, just shut up, bitch. Because yeah. you, you know, there's always that I want to do this. And then there's yeah. always like, I don't know if I can or people yeah. are not gonna like it, which is why every time I sell my book, I'm always like, you did this. It's like the first time all over again mm. because I never thought I could do it. Yeah, I never did.
0: Mm-hmm. What is it inside you? that kept you going. I mean, obviously it's nice to have a a girlfriend who's a cheerleader cheering you on. And it certainly is icing on the top that she's a publisher and she knows how to help you, but you wanted to do it the second time by yourself. So what was that drive? Where does that drive come from?
1: That drive came from, I don't remember if we we had a conversation before about my girlfriend who passed away from breast cancer. So the eighth will be one year Mm. of her death. And she... I always used to tell her she was the most humble person I've ever met in my life. I never, ever heard her say a bad word, say anything about anybody. She was so sweet. She she was married for 35 years and she never got to do one thing that she really in her heart ever wants to do. Like some people say, well, I want to go to Dubai or Belize and they go, or I want to, you know, whatever. She never did any of that. She didn't go to school and not because her husband didn't let her, but she always put herself behind everybody else like she before her kids she's always wanted them to do and she never did so the last conversation I had with her she said um there's so many things I wanted to do and I feel bad because I ran out of time Mm. and that really stuck with me like I had to hang up the phone and just cry gut-wrenching cry because I was like when you think about it like I'm 60 and when you think about it if I live 60 years and never did not one thing I ever wanted to do That made me sad. And so, you know, I had a list of things. Okay, I'm going to get this done. And when I decided I was going to write that book, I was like, I'm on it, like full speed ahead, gas to the pedal. I'm not going to let anyone or anything stop me from doing whatever it is I want to do from now on.
0: Did you have expectations in mind of what it was going to be like? And then, you know, as your the process is unfolding and you take. five steps forward and two steps back. Like what expectations of anything did you place on yourself during that process, the book writing process?
1: I felt like it had to be something that with my grandkids, when I'm long gone from here, can see that book, they can feel who I was, if that mm, makes sense. Yes. Like they could read those pages and feel my energy, feel my love, feel the message I'm trying to get out to people. And if I can do that and leave that legacy for them, it it, it, it kind of just gives me the warm and fuzzies because I want them to be able to sort of like the Maya Angelou effect, like she's yeah. gone and you can still, her words are still touching. Mm-hmm. So I want that.
0: Oh, I love that. I love how you moved it from your head to your heart is I want to make people feel something like anyone who knows who's writing a book. It sucks. It's hard. And (laughs) it's if you have a true mission and a true vision for what it is, you can't focus on the book sales. you got to focus on the message. Yeah. Um, And what you said, I think, ring true. How what are some obstacles that were in your way during the time of writing a book? Because you said you put your mind to it and you did it. But I'm sure life got in the way along the way.
1: Girl, life. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I COVID, why, man, Black lives matter. <laughs> yeah, I started writing the book and, um, I was done with the book and then I was looking for an illustrator. And at the time, my now separated husband decided that, you know, marriage vows was him that he needed, a, he's supposed to have a girlfriend and a wife. So that kind of just, yeah, that kind of just threw a whole big, you know, thing wrench into the plans because we had only been married for 11 months. It, it took me by surprise. Like, I didn't see that coming, wow. which, which was a problem for me because I'm a type A kind of person, and I always pride myself on being able to kind of vet people, so to speak. I didn't see it coming. Mm. So it kind of threw me into a depression. I was really sad, but trying to talk myself into, you are going to finish this no matter what, it was a, it was a dark road. It was, was it a dark a, road.
0: Was it a revenge book? I mean, you know. It, it wasn't like-
1: a revenge book. It was, no, because. I set out to do, I'm going to do this before that happened. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really a revenge because part of me was like, I need to put this on hold because I had to deal with my emotions with that. But then the other part of me was like, you promised yourself you wouldn't let people stop you from what you're doing. Mm. So I just refused to allow that to be what stopped me. Like if I got ill, I was in the hospital. That's one thing. But because you're sad about somebody who can't, do what they supposed to do. That wasn't a, that wasn't a big enough reason for me. I always tell people, you don't got, you can be mad, but you don't got to be stupid. So yep.
0: I love you know. that advice. It's true. It's it's easy, but it's true. Yeah. This season's all about women game changers. And when I first met you, I mean, you struck me immediately as a game changer, although you went through a dark time and you were blindsided. Most women who are game changers have been blindsided at one or the other. It's how you pick your shit off off the ground and move forward. So tell me a little bit about um, what advice would you give to our listeners or to your younger self or your grandkids about when you're blindsided or something life smacks you across the face, whether it's COVID or Black Lives Matter or, you know, Wade versus Roe being like taken (laughs) out from under us. Like what, what do you do? Like, what are the steps that you take to turn around and smack it
1: back, right back in the face? You got to find your, I call it your happy place. Mm. And you got to find a place, But you know, that saying that says you got to grow where you're planted. That part is true, but I feel like you got to plant your own Mm shit. Like, if you got to dig your own home and put your own seed in it, you have to. You can't let things and people stop you. You do got to take a moment, though. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I had to get off that train. I had to go talk to people. I, I tell teenagers all the time, if you feel like life is hitting you hard, you, you got to find somebody to, to talk to you, or whatever. And the best thing is to talk to somebody who doesn't know you. Yes. They can't judge you. So you can they be true. Say, you can be honest. <laughs> right. You can put your feelings on the road, but I always tell them the best thing for you to do is talk to somebody because that's how people still are alive in my life. Yeah, <laughs> You got to, I, I was just telling the kid this yesterday at work. There's an a artist that I listened to and I can't remember. Oh, Life Jennings. He has a song that says crying. is like taking your soul through the laundromat. Oh, it's I love very that. true. Yes. So you do have to find the things that's going to take your soul through the laundromat so your body can continue the task. Ooh. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I got to sit in that for a minute because that, yeah. I'm such a clean freak. So I was like, man,
1: that resonates with me. Yeah, you do. So I like the beach. I like reading. I do stuff that make me happy. And a lot of times I just sit and reflect on myself. I'll, I'll go out and look at the water and just be like, "Okay, God, I know you always got messages for me, but this chick right here is tired of your shit. Like I'm tired of the messages. I can't. I, I need a break from all mm-hmm. this. You just gotta take a moment, but don't let it derail you. Get back on the train. Do what you gotta do, and take your moment when you need to.
0: Talk to me a little bit about growth, right? So women and men are listening to this podcast and they're in their 20s, they're in their 30s, their 40s, 50s, 60s. We have a 102-year-old listen, by the way. And, um, you know, at different phases and stages in your life, it's a different season, right? You're going through different stuff. Talk to me a little bit about your, your mantra. When you see that like thread go through your life, what has that mantra been for you? What is it something that you have repeatedly said to yourself through the decades of your life?
1: I always say, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get somewhere, keep going. Mm. You, like you can't, stuff happens. Crap happens to people every single day. Um, there's always a, another way to do it. So you can get on American Airlines, you can get on JetBlue. All of them are gonna get you to Puerto Rico if that's where you wanna go. Find another route. You can, mm. it may not be the easiest route, but you can, there's several different ways to get someplace. Take a moment, breathe. Find somewhere, another way to get it done.
0: I love that. Choosing another route. I think. We talk a lot on this program about um societal expectations, what you should do. You should get married, you should have 2.5 <laughs> kids, you should get a house, you should have two homes. And now it's it's not enough to just be a nurse. You gotta write a book, you gotta have a side hustle, and you need to be baking your own shit and making your own meals. Like okay, who is superwoman? Not just right? yours.
1: Everybody else is a ninja. You get to eat last. They gotta eat first. So.
0: You gotta work out. But oh, okay. <laughs> talk to me a little bit about those expectations that others have for you versus expectations that you have for yourself and being a successful, strong, influential black woman, talk to me about those expectations that you feel like you should be doing and the things that you're rising to meet and then exceeding those expectations. So like, what's that kind of sandwich of Iceland like?
1: You know, that's an interesting question because I just like a month ago decided that I put it this way. I said to myself, I'm the person that always gives people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Like, no matter what you do to me and the stuff I feel like you should do, because this is how I feel like I'm in life. And at this point, there's no more benefit. There's just doubt and until you prove to me there's a benefit. So I'm, you know, I'm the one that people go to, you know, you need help or whatever, but I don't get that back. Mm. Like, when you're a type A person, you're the one who gives 120%. Yes. You don't get 120% back to people, but the lesson you have to learn, and hopefully the 20 and the 30-year-olds will learn this, life is going to be so much easier for you if you don't expect people to treat you how you treat them. Yes. And I've always let people, I've always be like, I let people be who they are. Outside of letting you do crazy crap to me, I let you live in who you are. But I'm finding that that doesn't work because people with big hearts always get crapped on. That's- and so now I'm like, once you show me that you something that I don't think I want a part of my life, you're done. I'm cutting you off. That, I can't I can't do that anymore.
0: That is so true. Iceland. I think that I hate these stupid sayings like, um, you know, mindset is everything or um, believe it. And it'll happen. Or, yeah. you know, the, t- the cliche shit that's on um, Instagram all day long. The other one is um, treat people as they would treat you. Right. Yeah. Or you treat people other whatever, whatever the saying is. I love what you said about your prove it. Right. I'll right. be who you are, stand in your power, but like, show me too. Right. right? I'm going to give you 120 percent and you're not going to expect 120 percent because you're not getting it. Like, right. It just is what it is.
1: You just have to um, to me. Now I've learned you just have to give people what they give you. Mm. Um, I, I had a friend I was friends with for 42 years and I, I don't speak to her anymore. I spoke to her in a year and a half. Um, and and she did something really dirty to me. And then when I confronted her on it, she was like, well, everybody doesn't view friendship differently. Mm. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Bye bye. Yeah. So I don't talk to her anymore because I don't view friendship as someone who would do this to somebody else. Um, so, and I was never that person. I'm becoming that person because people take advantage of good-hearted people because okay. they feel like no matter what happens, oh, she'll always be there because that's the type of friendship is. Yes. So I'm not. I'm not always there anymore. Um, and then the relationships. yeah, you know, I'm gonna be like Oprah. I'm <laughs> gonna have me a statement <laughs> We don't need to be married. You live mm-hmm. in your house, I live in mine. It's Wednesday, dude. You got to go home. because I- <laughs> <laughs> You're not into the husbands and the boyfriends no, and girlfriends. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, so you. It's you not listen- party of three, it's party of two. There you go. <laughs> Reservations <laughs> for two, not three. So you learn, life lessons teaches you things, but it, you got to be careful not to be like a bitter person or someone who's like, oh, I hate this or I hate that. I don't hate anything. I just have different choices mm-hmm. that I'm going to make in life for me to make me happy.
0: Would you say right now, I mean, throughout the journey, right, um, you live a life, a colorful life versus a black and white technicolor life, right? So when you moved from kind of your career, day job, and you certainly love being a nurse, right? I mean, that was your passion for a long time. And now shifting to being an author and living in your creativity and living in your um, passion, like you said, passion and vision, Mm -hmm. right? So what would you say your life is like now compared to old old kind of black and white thinking like the regular should job the regular day job
1: so now, as you say, my life is more colorful because I'm a nurse practitioner, so I call it my day job. I get to talk to kids. Um, a physical given by me is not your typical physical because you come, it's not. Like, you come in and, you, yeah, you got to get undressed. I got to check you out. But I'm asking you, what are your grades like? Like sometimes, kids that have never seen me look at me like, you want to know what my grades are? Yeah, dude, I do. Because if you're failing at this point in life in school, you're going to be homeless and hungry for every F you have because what you're doing now is what you're going to do as in adult up. Mm-hmm. So if you're lazy and you're not passing stuff, if your boss gives you a job and says, I need this done by Friday, if you were to hand it in your homework assignments for fr- by Friday, you're not going to do that by Friday. So I try to get them to see this is preparing you for the adult that you're gonna be later on. So yeah, you do gotta answer those questions for me. You gotta tell me why you're not handing me assignments. What the hell are you doing all day? Playing <laughs> games for what? So and that's how I talk to them. What you doing? Do you have a job? It teaches you time management. You gotta, mm. you gotta get your homework done because you know you gotta be at work at five o'clock. So, you know, I try to prepare them for that. So it's fun. Like I, I do the the fun talks. and talk about are you having sex? How many partners do you have? You like boys or girls and they like boys and girls. I'm living life, bro. I'm just telling you what it's like out here, you know? And then I come home and I I have the, the other part where I write the children's books. But I get to see the kids from birth to teenage years. So that interaction with them is a lot, a lot of fun. And then outside, I do pop-up events. I go to school and I talk to kids with the books I wrote that are fun. So it's real colorful and it's fun on both aspects, although tiring sometimes.
0: I bet. I bet that's a fun physical. They're probably like, oh, man, we have to get our temperature checked. And they're going to, she's going to read us the right act.
1: These kids are funny. (laughs) And I'll be laughing because sometimes I'll come in the court and the parents are like, you know, Miss Hamilton, don't play, right? You better stop playing. So, like, Because my favorite line to it is, don't play with me.
0: (laughs) I love it. Talk to me about um, one patient or one student or, you know, trying to be confidential, of course, but like that really
1: changed your life. Ooh. Who really changed my life? Yeah. I mean, if
0: you're asking them questions, you know, their answers are hilarious. So is there like something that a kid said to you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I had a kid um, when I worked in Tampa. The mom had a bunch of kids. Like every year she'd have a baby. She did. was her thing to do. Yeah. She had a lot of kids. And so she came in one day, you know, I always ask some questions about school and I was like, okay, so, you know, how school, the little boy, he was probably five or six at that time. And she said, I'm homeschooling. And he, so I said, you're homeschooling. You're homeschooling all these kids little boy said, yeah. My daddy says, she doubles a box of rocks. He don't know why. I was like, okay. (laughs) Can we not tell what daddy says? We're going to keep that a secret. Oh, my God. Have you thought
0: about writing a book about a nurse or, you know, the, the relationship that you've been able to have with your patients and also students. I mean, they brought so much levity into your life. I mean, that's such, that's, that's like a comedy book.
1: It is girl. <laughs> I, it would be a bestseller. I can promise you that if I wrote down some of the stuff, these kids that I always <laughs> joke about doing it, but Not really.
0: I think it's an idea. I think you should do it. It
1: needs to be a a comedy show on TV. Totally. Yeah, it's it's the best.
0: What's been the brightest spot for you during COVID? I always like, you know how I am. I'm super positive. Like COVID's Um, been shitty, right? I mean, it just has. But what has been the brightest spot for you? If you could like think, gosh, that's my shining moment or that's that touched my life, that made an impact on me this year.
1: I think the brightest spot for me during COVID was actually being able to publish my first book during COVID. Cause you, I don't. I think if COVID wasn't around, I probably would not have gotten to do that because the pieces of the puzzle wouldn't have been in place. Yep. Like my friend Stephanie, she was doing her publishing stuff before COVID, but when COVID hit, her company became so busy that she she had like a waiting list for a year and a half out mm-hmm. um, for children's books. And so, because she was in her mode of "I'm cranking this," she was. Way more helpful to me than I thought she could ever be, and I think that had a lot to do with COVID and her business taking off, and her being so happy about, as she called it, birthing her literary baby. (laughs) So I think that was the bright spot for me because it's taken me a a whole never thought I would be. And I've met some amazing people along the way. So it's it's been a good ride for me.
0: Tell me about connecting with other women, right? So um, right now is really a purposeful of lifting each other up and lifting women up and no longer just having one seat at the table. There needs to be multiple seats and, you know, it can't be climbing over each other to get to the seat. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the connecting with other women and what you've learned this year and as an author and, you know, promoting a book's not easy, getting it uh-huh. out there, selling, and the power of when, when women lean into each other and, and like literally band together as a community. Talk to me a lot about your experience around that.
1: Um, South Carolina is different than when I was in Tampa and Tampa, I have really amazing friends. Um, and I, and I call them boss bitch friends. Like my friends are are not to be played with. They, Mm -hmm. when they're going to do something, they do it hundred percent and always supporting. Um, I recently just Sunday had a meeting with a new group of women here that I didn't even think existed here. Um, and the, she called the organization when I see my sister Mm. and yeah, it was amazing. So she, the girl who did it wanted to meet other women, business women. And I did a pop up event on Saturday and she invited me to come to the meeting on Sunday Girl, when I tell you, mm. it, it, it was amazing. Like we had a girl there who makes her own um, herbs. Mm. She works for a local restaurant wow. and she didn't have an aha moment. So somebody said to her, she was making the herbs for the restaurant to sell to their customers, but she wasn't getting any of the money. And one person was like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you not selling it? It's one thing if they're selling it and it giving you a cut. No, she wasn't getting any of it. So she decided to branch out, do it herself, but she sells her own herbs. Now she doesn't sell it. To, she don't let them sell them.
0: Definitely. So
1: it was a group of women like that. And so, you know, I, I feel like when you get together and you get with other like-minded women and you can help each other, like you can say, Hey, I know this person who does this, you need to check her out and do mm-hmm. that. It's amazing because it's not like the crabs in a barrel kind of thing, but it's actually I want to see you succeed because there's enough for everybody out here. And I like those type of women.
0: Yeah, I love that story about asking that question. Why? You're talented, like light on. Why don't you be? Why aren't you doing this for yourself? Like, why are you letting someone else take your power, Take 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 your herbs?
1: Like you're busting your butt at home, making this up packaging it and everything, they sell it at the counter and you get no quarters. You hear that so many, so much, so much. I mean, we hear
0: that around the world and we hear that from any women business networking and you experience that in corporate America, right? Yeah. You're doing the work and nobody... Is acknowledging yeah. it and we're, we get paid less.
1: Right. And, and I think it's important that as women, we have to support each other. So like if I go to an event and and there's women there, I go around and I buy something from everybody. I don't care if it's a chapstick that you're selling. I'm buying <laughs> one thing from everybody. Who's a woman there. Even if I don't need it, I can give it away to somebody, but I'm going to support you.
0: I love that. Yeah. Right now. I think I went to a, a, a marketplace for women and everyone was selling candles. And I have like so many candles. Yeah. I'm like, I light those things every night. I'm like, I hope this is helping. Yeah. Christmas gift. <laughs> exactly. It's your birthday
1: here. Have a candle.
0: <laughs> if we were to leave the legacy today of Iceland, what do you hope to accomplish in your life? And I'll take out the Today Show because we know that we're going to be on a separate campaign for that. But like one, you know, one more legacy. What is your hope and your accomplishment? You know, if something were to happen tomorrow?
1: I hope that there is at least one person, if there's only one person whose life I touch and they are successful, they move forward and doing something they thought they never could do that they did because of something I said to them. And not, maybe not even just said, but because of how they looked at me mm-hmm. and was like, I can do this because she encouraged me to do so. So, you know, Kurt Franklin has a song that's called The Last Jesus. Mm. And it's like, if you were the last Jesus I see, what do I see? So if I'm the last person you see, what did you see to make you want to be a better person? Ooh, That's the I legacy that. I want to leave. I love that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, That
0: sounds like another good children's book idea. Like, <laughs> seriously, as yeah. asking kids, like, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, yeah. what, are, what, what did is, you see? What did you see? What do you see in me? Yeah. Love it. Oh, I love the yeah. collaboration ideas. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Now I'm going to move on to two questions. This is kind mm-hmm. of a fun one. Um, if you entered a talent show, what would your act be?
1: <laughs> um well I can't sing with a damn so it won't be that um maybe comedy I don't know I think so I like I think to say so. funny quirky stuff off the top yeah. of my head I think so you should be comedy. a comedian yeah <laughs>
0: I can see you up there as long as yeah. no one jumps the stage and does. Okay. What? I'm not trying to
1: get slapped because I'm from Brooklyn. I'm going to slap you back. Oh I'm my not God. There will be no calm demeanor. I <sighs> promise you that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that later.
1: But um, OK, so if
0: you knew that you could not fail, what leap of faith would you take?
1: I would quit my job tomorrow, my real job tomorrow and tour the country doing children's books and motivating women. Love it.
0: Well, you're on your mm-hmm. way. I mean, truly, you're yeah. on your way to doing it. Yeah,
1: I used to do. We used to go to this thing called um, African-American Women on Tour. With Ayala Vincent was part of it like Ooh, years I, ago. Yeah. And I would love to do something like that, except I would like to call the boss bitches on tour
0: Ooh. and
1: motivate young girls like we could teach them stuff. They need to know how, how to manage your money so you never have to depend on anyone, anybody. I hate women who are like, I have to stay in this relationship because I don't have the money. You should always have your own way out. Always have an exit. And so it would be something like that that I would love to be able to do. Do it. I mean, do it. Yeah. Big. That's what I I really would love to do that.
0: Michelle Obama's got some grants happening. You got to get in there.
1: I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. I really want to do that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, okay, we've got today's show for Iceland and we've got Michelle Obama and they're going on tour to try to change life i mean it's not trying to change lives it's changing lives going to change
1: life giving them the
0: tools i think that's what it comes down to i
1: think and how to use them because it's one thing to give it to you but how do i put this in place how and why because if you don't know the why of why you're doing something you don't do the how Mm -hmm. so if you know why like i don't ever want to be enslaved to anyone i always want to be my own person regardless now the flip side to that point is successful women don't have great relationships because Men usually want you to be yeah. the little damsel in distress, and if you're not damsel in distress, you're not. you out of the same playing field. It becomes hard. But yeah, hey, you know. We've got
0: two ideas for you now. It's got some children book ideas, and now we've got the gr- uh, Iceland on tour. Okay, well, <laughs> put it on ice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend, for being a guest today. I always oh, love talking to you. you. Welcome. Absolutely inspiring. Um, for those of you, uh, please check out her books. We'll attach the link on the um, show notes. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. You are absolutely. Thank I will- you. Kat.
1: I love talking to you. Yeah. Woman Amazing. game changer.
0: Woman game changer. i on love. I'm- we should take this shit on the road.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's going to be the name of the show. <laughs> take this shit on the road.
0: <laughs> Have a good day, my friend. Thank Thanks. you what a great podcast episode today with iceland she is truly a woman game changer as a pediatric nurse practitioner children's book author life coach breast cancer survivor today we talked a lot about creating your lasting legacy and making a difference for generations females anyone in general around the world to create that long and lasting legacy for more information on iceland please visit her on instagram at iceland51 Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at SheShatters.com or on Instagram at SheShattersLLC.